Would you take out a Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, stand up on your feet, and I'm going to read this. And you guys tell me if this mic is, is flowing like it needs to or if it's kind of, I can't tell if it's me or, let me change. Can I change mics? Is it okay if I use this mic or no? Or am I, I'll just keep this one. Good. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you are ready to hear a word from Jesus, let me hear you say, I am. You just said one of the names of God. There it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 4. Such is the confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Right now, my sufficiency is from God. Your sufficiency is from God. If you have God, you have everything you need. If you have God, parents, many of us, we have no clue what we're doing. I've, I don't have a million kids, but I've got eight kids, and every one of the eight has convinced me I am not sufficient without him. But I've got him, and you can have him. And when you've got him, he is accessible, and when you encounter him, there is more. There is more. So it says in verse 6, he who has made us, he has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. We are ministers of the Spirit. Even tonight, my, my goal, my vision tonight is not to just give you words. I want to share the Spirit with you. I want us to share the Spirit with one another. Every time we come together, I don't just... When I met Jesus, I got saved in fire. And after a little while, I found myself doing nice little Bible talks. I don't want to give my life for nice little letter Bible talks. We don't want... I signed up for a revolution right and that is the ministry of the spirit the letters kill but the spirit gives life and tonight i want to talk about this ministry of the spirit it says to be ministers of a new covenant not of letter but of the spirit for the letter kills the spirit gives life in verse seven now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone that's like the ten commandments came with such and here is the key word right now glory can everyone say glory? glory? How do you say glory in Malayalam? That is correct. <laughs> I'm going to trust that's correct. If this was Sesame Street right now, I would say tonight's sermon is brought to you by the word glory, as it's going to be clear here in a second. That the Israelites, they couldn't even gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. If that's what the old covenant did, which was going to pass away, it says in verse 8, will not the ministry of the Spirit... Moses had the ministry of the letter. Moses had the ministry of the law. Moses had the ministry of the Ten Commandments. Moses had a ministry of the law that the law itself was so glorious that when he sat there for 40 days with God, you couldn't even look at his face. And what Paul is here saying is, if he had a glory that when you looked, you're like, whoa, I can't even look. And that was the ministry of the law. How much more, oh my goodness, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even, someone say there is more. Will it not have more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what, was, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will be, what will be what is permanent. What will that have that comes with glory? And since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, they come with a, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when every time someone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, same degree of glory from, from, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Would you put your hands in the air and just for a moment, I mean for 45 seconds, I want you to agree with me and I want you to pray out loud. I want you to pray out loud just for a moment. Now listen, if you don't even believe in Jesus, just watch what's about to happen, okay? If you're watching online and you're like, I don't believe any of this, I'm even praying that right there on the other side of the computer or the screen, you are going to sense the power of God. But I want you right now to agree with me for about 45 seconds right now. Let's give glory to God right now. Let's say, God, we want you, we desire you, we come to you, we seek you. Father, right now, we glorify you in this place. We glorify you right there where we are. We lift our voices and we do bless the Lord. We do bless the Lord and we say that Jesus is the King of all the kings and the Lord of all the lords. And Lord, even tonight, we're going to make much of Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to point to Jesus. When we depend on the Spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We are corporately asking you for a filling of the Holy Spirit. We want you to fill us. We need you. We desire you. We crave you. And you are welcome here. We bind up every spirit that's contrary and we welcome you in this place. May every curse be broken. May every hex be undone. And may the blessing of Abraham come upon the children of Jesus in this place. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Look at someone and say glory. glory. I want to talk about the ministry of the Spirit because I've got one prevailing thought tonight and it's going to address an email that I received from a guy that I went to college with. And he sent me this message and it said, hey, Mike, I, because we, went to, we were in a dorm together and any of you that don't know my story, I was just on my way to a drug party and driving around town on a, and I wasn't like a drug or anything, but this is where I was going to go. I went to the University of Florida to, to be with people that party and I knew 10 party buddies from high school and I was invited to a party on a Friday night. I'm driving around town in my freshman year and and on 39th Avenue in Gainesville, Florida, I got arrested by Jesus Christ who came and sovereignly saved my life. I did not even seek him. He was seeking me. He is such a gracious savior that I'm a, I'm a very good sinner and he's an even better savior. And I don't know how much of a sinner you are. Jesus is a better savior. No matter how far you run, he will come and track you down because he loves you and he desires you and he's paid for you and you can run, but you can't hide. And I couldn't hide, and I just pulled over on the side of the road, and I got out of my car, and I knelt down underneath a tree, and I said, Jesus, I, I can't believe this. Like, you did die on the cross. You did rise from the dead. And if you rose from the dead, I got to do what you said. You ever thought about that? If someone rises from the dead, you better do whatever they tell you. I'm serious. Yeah, I don't know if you, you've been to funerals. If someone got up out of a casket, and he got up and said, you, come follow me, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> He has gotten up and he has said, you, come follow me. And to be a follower of Jesus means you say, Mike Pat's reporting for duty, sir, among other things, right? And I began to follow Jesus on the campus of, the U, of UF. And, and then there was different people that started to, that, that we would encounter. And we'd meet. And, and one of the guys that was there, he had been a Christian a long time. So I was like the up, the new coming guy that was, I did not grow up as a Christian. I, my mom became a Christian halfway through my childhood. And, and she never became a great disciple, but she was a, she really was a believer. So, so it, I, I saw hit and miss Christianity in my life, right? Uh, but what I did not understand was, one of the burdens that I now have, which was a lot of people that grew up in the church, but they don't, I'm, I'm like, how can you not see how incredible this is, right? But, it, but it's hard because if you got raised in it, you, you don't understand what you've got. And this one guy, his, his name was, well, I'm not even going to say his name in case somehow he gets this online and he's watching this, but maybe he's, I don't know, maybe you're in India right now watching, but he sends me an email and he says, hey, hey Mike, um, I'm sorry, but it's just not real. I was a Christian. I got raised in church, all the stuff. I went to the same church as you. I did all this stuff. I'm sorry. It's just not true. When Jesus Christ said, if you ask me for anything, I will do it. He said, it's not true. Jesus lied. Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. I have asked whatever I wish. It has not been done. Jesus said, if two or three of you agree about anything on the earth, it will be done. I'm sorry. I've agreed with two or three other people and it didn't happen. My 
like, you, someone's going to just have to go ahead and admit the facts. Jesus didn't tell the truth. It's not true. It's not real. What do you have to say to me? And I just, I kind of closed the email. I'm like, man, what am I going to, what do I say to him? He says, it's not real. It's not true. It was sort of the opposite of the, the message that Ben got when Ben start kept saying the, the same word and the Lord was trying to tell him, it's real, it's real, it's real. The longing of the human heart is for something that is real. I think the tragedy is that we, we have oftentimes come to churches or gatherings and we have just nibbled the surface on everything that Jesus wants for us. And, and there's something, I, I remember I was going on vacation. We were going to Atlanta. I was taking the kids on vacation. We went to Atlanta, Georgia. And when we went there, uh, I even hesitate going to church on Sundays, to be honest with you, when I'm on vacation. I would rather just stay home and read the Bible with my kids because most churches in America, I don't even know if the pastor prays. I don't know if the people pray. If they don't seek the Lord, I would rather stay. I would rather just be with my family with, where, where there's a chance that the juice is going to get loose and the Holy Spirit's going to come rather than just to go into some church where they're trying to impress a bunch of people, where they've got all the cool bells and whistles and the stuff that they do. And God's, I, I, we, I went to one of the churches on vacation and I just showed up early. I said, is there a place I can pray? Literally, the pastor said, oh, we don't do that here. I said, you don't do what here? Prayer? Like, well, we don't let people go in rooms and pray. I remember thinking, if I ever built a church, we're having places for people to pray. We just built a facility three years ago. We've got 70 acres, the front 50 acres, the front 20 acres are for nothing but prayer. We say, well, you have to drive through our prayer reserve before you even get back. We said, Lord, when people drive on our property, we want every blade of grass and every ounce of dirt to be anointed that people with cancer drive on our property and get healed. That's, the, that's what we're like. I mean, every time we drive on there, we pray this. And then in our church, there's a prayer room in the front and there's a prayer room in the back. And we've got, I'm like, if someone wants to seek the Lord, you will see. I want the presence of Jesus. That's the only thing we've got, right? And so, so a long time ago, I'm like, man, I don't, when I'm on vacation, I don't even want to waste my time going to some church where the pastor downloaded a sermon from desperatepreacher.com and you've got some, you know, a worship team that they barely know the Lord or whatever. You know, I'm like, forget. That's, I'm, even tonight, I just loved the presence of the Lord tonight. I, li I was like, ah. Wait, wait, what's the worship leader's name? What's his name? MJ? Michael Jordan? Is it MJ? Did I get that right? We're coming back to we're, Are you in here right now? Is he in here? Okay. I, man, I love you, bro. I do. I mean, I just want to kiss your forehead and say Jesus is Lord. I mean, holy kiss, right? We, we, one, it's, it's, it's Atlanta, Georgia. I said, let's take the kids. We go in the morning, and we go to one of these big mega churches. It's some big mega church, and, it's, and I walk in, and the music is pristine, and everything is perfect, and the sound is uh, incredible, and it's immaculate, and the, and, the, and the place looks like a Starbucks plus IBM plus Amazon. And, and uh, you, I mean, you're walking, you're like, whoa. I mean, it is, it is an impressive feat of human ingenuity. And we walk in, and I'm listening to the music, and, and probably 5% of the people in a, in a room of 5,000 people are singing. And I'm looking around, I'm like, this is incredible, like Chris Tomlin, kind of, I mean, it's like something right off of Christian radio, and, and no one's even singing, and, and, and everything was perfect. And then the, and the, the message was perfectly said, and the, and the movements were great, and it was like something from a TED Talk, and, and as a, I mean, I get, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to the speaker who had a voice, and, and they had the intonations, and, and they did all the stuff that they did. I mean, I went back and listened to one of my YouTube clips, and I felt, I, I, felt, I sounded like Mickey Mouse. I mean, I was like, it's it's really hard to repent when you feel like the pastor's going, come on, boys and girls, let's repent, you know? That's what I felt like when, when I, and, and everything was perfect. But I couldn't sense the Lord. And so that night, we went to this other church. And it was like this old Pentecostal church. It was a big church, too. But it was kind of like the, the morning church was like cool and cutting edge and clever and relevant and all the stuff and blah, 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 blah. And then that night we just went to this old time, old school, Pentecostal church. And all I can tell you is that I walked it in from the moment the first song began. I knew I was home. 
because I could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said abide in me, the word abide means to make your home in. My home is in Jesus. I mean, many of us, we're, like, we're, we're longing for that place. Your home is in Jesus. The reason when he was in India for 21 days, when pastor was there, his, his home is with the niches. His home is with you. This is where his home is. And oh, friends, I mean, my home is in Gainesville. I can't wait to see my wife and my kids. But do all of us understand that ever since our earliest ancestors were kicked out of the garden, all of us have been looking for a home that we have never been able to fully acquire until we get to see him face to face. In the meantime, the home is in his presence because in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And I was in this place and, and they're singing these old school songs and this has nothing to do with the, with one of the ladies' voices cracked and it didn't matter because I'd rather have a cracking voice and a cracking guitar and a bad sound system in the presence of the Lord than to be anywhere else. Oh, I would, oh, to just be like the, the, the saints of old that would say, oh, let's, let's go into the house of the Lord. Oh, I just want to be in your, better is one day in your courts. And what was the difference? The difference was the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there's something about the Holy Spirit. There is. It's, it's like the, the and, and when I'm talking about here, there was a ministry of the letter there was a ministry of the letter, but now we have the ministry of the Spirit, and the word that keeps coming with it is glory, 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 glory. If that one had glory, how much more glory does this one? Let me, let me bring it to MJ now, okay? When I'm reading these passages, and we've got all this stuff about MJ, and it brings us this. It says, he's, the, he's done this for us. He's brought this to us. The ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. It has, the one thing has come to an end. It's got no more glory because the glory of what will surpass it. So back in the day, like I was a Michael Jordan fan. I don't know if any of you guys ever watched Michael Jordan play basketball. I was a Michael Jordan fan. And sometimes it'd be the end of a game. He was, you know, in my estimation, I would still say, I think Michael Jordan was either the best player there ever was in, in basketball or the second best maybe, but I think probably the best. And sometimes there's three seconds left on the clock and the Chicago Bulls had the ball and, and they would call a timeout and, and they'd go out there and, and they'd be in this huddle and they'd all get together and, and, and the, the coach, anyone know who the coach of the Bulls was? Phil Jackson. That's right. Phil Jackson would have him over and you'd hear the guy and the guy on the side, the commentator would say, folks, there are three seconds left and Phil Johnson has just called a timeout. We don't know what he's saying in that thing right now. We don't know what's going on in that circle, but uh, we're going to have to wait and find out. To which if you watched any of these games, everyone in America said, we all know what he's saying in that circle right now. Get the ball to MJ. That's you. Get the ball to Michael. That's me. <laughs> Friends, I, I don't know why churches, I, I always say this, in, especially in America, I don't know why we have so much confidence in the flesh. I don't know why we have so much confidence in human ingenuity. I don't know why we have so much confidence in all these other things. We've got one thing going for us. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what we've got. We've got one thing. God. We can't out-special effects the world. We can't out-special effects Hollywood. I'll tell you what we can do. We can out-glory Hollywood. We've got God. When, when we get together, when we come, I mean, even tonight, my plan tonight is the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give the Lord a chance to just say, Holy Spirit, before we're even done, I'm just going to let you, we're just going to invite you. I'm, I'm, we're just going to invite you to do your thing and give you a shot. I just, I mean, even when Ben was, I mean, it's like, just give him a shot and watch what glory he may do. Because the, the, really, the, really, the whole idea tonight is simply this. Only the ministry of the Spirit has the glory sufficient for our desire for more. Only the ministry of the Holy Spirit has the glory sufficient for our desire for more. 
We could come up with good ideas. We can have good plans. We can have beautiful buildings. We can have um, nice sermons. I could come up with all sorts of alliteration. We could have songs that are perfect. We could have all sorts of organizational structure, none of which is bad, all of which might be a very good skeletal structure. But what we know from the prophets of old in the Old Testament is you can have bones and it's not enough. You can have muscles and it's not enough. You can have skin and it's not enough. It's not until God goes, Can you imagine what would happen in Zion Church if God just day after day and week after week and month after week, and he blows upon us with his glory? Do we des- is that what we desire, I wonder? You know, the, the problem with church, the problem with ministry, like I'm a pastor, like I'm a professional Christian. What a bummer. I mean, I get on planes and people are like, what do you do for a living? I don't even want to tell them. I don't, I don't tell them what I do. It's not, it's not a, I hope it's not, Lord, I hope it's not a lie. I was on a plane with someone, they said, what do you do? I said, I, I'm a guru. They said, what? I said, I, I'm a spiritual leader of a spiritual community that opens people's third eye. They said, ooh, fascinating. <laughs> tell me more. I say we, we, we do. I mean, there's darkness everywhere, and we release light. They're like, ooh, I'm vibing with that. I'm vibing. I'm, oh, me too. I vibe. And we vibe. We don't vape, but we vibe. I mean, we're there. And, and we get in this car. And then about 20 minutes in, like, oh, wait, you're a Christian. I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't know what you'd call it, but I mean, I, I follow Jesus, you know, Christ, Yeshua, Hamashiach. Like, that's, and they're like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. But if I, when I tell people, hey, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a pastor. They're like, oh, they put their headphones in, right? I was on another plane. Someone said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a writer. They said, what do you write about? I said, I write about non-religious encounters with the authentic deity of the universe. They're like, ooh, tell me more. Last thing I would do is tell someone, I'm, why? Because being a pastor, is, I, I love it. There's nothing I would rather do. The problem with ministry is that you can learn to do it. The problem with being a Christian for a while is you can learn to do it. You know when to put your hand up. You know when to say amen. You know, and, and please do. Please say amen. I mean, the, the, the more you respond, the shorter I'm going to preach. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was a compliment. Everyone said, no, keep going. Keep going for a while. We want you to go. The, but, but the problem with ministry, the problem with Christianity is that you can learn to do it. And I don't ever want to learn to do it. Like my wife told me, she's like, you know, like if you get married, I'm like, baby, like you always like when I do this. She's like, I like that last week. That's not what I like today. Today I want you to help over here like this. And I'm like, how am I supposed to know? She's like, Michael, study me, watch me, listen to me. I'm like, how am I supposed to? She's like, by staying close to me. The ministry of the spirit, what, what Jesus said, when, when, when Jesus ministered, he would say, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's all I do. Jesus never even began his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Which is why the ministry of the Spirit, this is, this is the secret. This is the catch. That's why when we see all of this glory, the problem with ministry is that you can do ministry and never get glory. You can preach sermons and never have glory. Every time I'm preaching, my desire is not for people to say that was memorable. My desire is for you to encounter God and worship Jesus on the spot because he is glorious. That's my desire. I don't know how often it happens, but that is what I long for. What is the ministry of the Spirit? I mean, we know what the ministry of the Spirit is when we read is, um, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, when Jesus steps up to begin his ministry and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim, this is a key word here, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has anointed me to liberate captives, to heal the brokenhearted, to to bring a, a deliverance for those that are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I bring all of that up because the ministry of the Spirit, it's it's more. When 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 pastor is saying there is more, 
Church, I, I mean, Holy Spirit, even now I want to invite you, wherever someone is, I, we, we have a service, one of our church services is in the middle of the University of Florida campus. Never happened in the last five years. It opened up. We got an open door. We got on the middle of UF campus, which is known for parties and all these things, and we have a service there. We lift up Jesus and make much of Jesus, and we try to be open to the Holy Spirit. And there was this one service where there was this girl that was sitting in the back balcony, and she was there, and we just said, we're just going to give the Lord a shot. This is a major application I have tonight. Just give the Lord a shot. When we have our board meetings, we will often just say, before we do, we're not just opening in prayer. We're getting the ball to Michael. We're sending the ball to MJ. We've got an agenda, but Lord, we will start this meeting when you say it's okay to start the meeting. We are waiting on you. We want you. We desire you. We are listening to you. And so we were just in one of those services, and it's, it's awkward because on one hand, we've got all, we have, I mean, so many unchurched people that come to our university service. We've got uh, Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and atheists, and they will come. I mean, so many people receive Bibles for the first time. I mean, here's our, op- our intro on, on Sunday nights when we meet at the university is this. Hey, we know there's a lot of people here from a lot of other religions. We just want you to know we are so honored that you would join us tonight. If you're interested in our holy book, here it is. We would like to bring you the Hebrew and Christian scriptures. They're right here. Many of you are joining us because you're in a class where you have to do this for comparative religions. We are so glad that you took that comparative religion class because we believe that God tricked you and he's about to meet you tonight. And we say things, and it's amazing if you could see Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus that have just walked down aisles and given their lives to Jesus and been baptized and and taken Bibles. I mean, we had a Muslim recently that took a Bible and said, may I touch it? We said yes, and she began to weep when she said, Something is telling me this book is holy. I had a dream that said this book is holy. And I'm sitting there in the United States of America talking to a girl from Saudi Arabia, weeping at the prospect, can I touch your Bible? To which we said, we'll do one better. Would you like us to give you one? Tears begin to flow. She says, I would do anything for that. We're like, well, we will give this to you. And I'm just thinking, what what an honor. We're in one of those services, though, when this happened. and, And there's a girl in the back, and we just said, Lord... All we're praying is, let your kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, there are no injuries. In heaven, there is no asthma. In heaven, there is no COVID. In heaven, there is no disease, illness, infirmity. And all we're asking is that you do it on the earth like it is in heaven. Heal people now in the name of Jesus. And right then, I did, in fact, I think what I did on that night is I said, I'm about to count to three. And when I say three, I just want everyone to say the name of Jesus. And, and when we get to three and I just say the name of Jesus, let's just see what God does. And so we said, Lord, may healings flow in the name of Jesus. May all of this happen because it can be on earth as it is in heaven. Because you yourself bore our sins in your body on the tree. So we'll die to sin, live to righteousness, and with your wounds we're healed. Now, Lord, we're asking you to do that tonight. One Two, three. And what did they say? Jesus. And right when they said that, this girl up in the balcony, she says, Woo! We said, What happened? She said, My thumb. To which we're like, Like an emoji. Woo! Yeah. Thumbs up. She says, No. When I was 12, I was in an act. She screams this from the back of the a room with 500 people. She says, When I was 12 years old, I got an accident. I've had a permanent injury. I've not had use of my thumb. She was 21 for the last nine years. Right now, my thumb popped open and it is healed. It is healed. Now, I just need you to understand, it's one thing when you tell people, no, for real, no guys, really believe God, really. Everyone that's in the room is like, what is going on here? We are supposed to do a ministry that makes people say in the King James, what meaneth this? Amen? Because there's more. That when someone says, what did you do this weekend? I want college students in my church, when they go to school on Monday morning, they say, what did you do? And someone's like, man, I was vomiting all morning on Saturday morning because I was so, my, oh my, oh, the parties on Friday. I want people to say, oh, you were at a party? I went, I was in the presence of Jesus Christ and someone's thumb came out. And in that service, before the time was done, we had like 25 college students on their faces, weeping in the presence of Jesus Christ, giving their lives to him. 
What I'm telling you is the ministry of the Spirit, it's when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, he's anointed me. And, and, and again, don't miss this word, to proclaim. To proclaim. Tonight, I have an assignment to proclaim to some of you some things. It's your job to hear it in faith. It's my job to proclaim. When you guys get together at Frisco campus, when you get together here on, on Sunday mornings, it's pastor's job and others' jobs and worship leaders' job to, to get up and proclaim. And the reality is, if, and I'm going to talk about tomorrow morning, like, you know, what, really stirring up faith. And tomorrow we're going to talk about that. But, but it's, there's something about the ministry of the Spirit where we proclaim. Jesus said it, I, I proclaim and I bring liberty to, I set the oppressed free. I remember like my hero when I first became a Christian was David Wilkerson. I'm not a prophet, but all my heroes are prophets. Like I, first book I read was a book called Why Revival Terries by Leonard Ravenhill. I don't know if anyone's ever read Leonard Ravenhill. He seemed to always be in a bad mood and said the American church is dead and you're all, you all stink. And I'm like, I love this guy when he, you know, I would love him. David Wilkerson was one of my heroes, and, and he started Teen Challenge. Have you ever heard of that? I wrote a book called The Cross and the Switchblade back in like the 1950s or 60s, something like that. And he had a ministry where drug, drug dealers and gang bangers and all sorts of people were coming and meeting Jesus, and the results they were getting were so high, especially compared to the rest of culture, because they were getting an 80-plus percent retention rate. When someone got off drugs, they stayed off drugs permanently. When someone got out of the gangs, they stayed out of the gangs permanently. And so the government, this is a true story, the government actually did, a, did research. They did a study on Teen Challenge and Wilkerson's ministry because they, had, they could not figure out how were they pouring billions of dollars into government programs that could not get the results that Wilkerson's Teen Challenge was getting. Now, I want to be careful. Every Teen Challenge is not as great as some of those early ones were. So there's some that I, I, anyway, I don't want you to think I'm giving a blanket endorsement of some, there's some bad programs out there. But when they did this study, they ended up coming up with a phrase, they called it the Jesus Factor. Because the only thing that was different about these programs was what was called the, these people would meet the Lord, gangbangers would meet the Lord, but what Wilkerson found out was, if all someone did was get saved, and I want to be real clear, there is nothing better than getting saved. There is nothing better than your sins being forgiven. There is nothing better than your name being written on the book of life, all right? But there's more. Because when your name is written in the book of life, you now have access to things. I'm not claiming you need something other than Jesus. I'm claiming you've got to go all the way with Jesus. And so what they found was Wilkerson, they would, get, they would see people come to the Lord, and they would find that Christians who had repented and gotten saved and gotten baptized, and they're on their way to heaven, and they got off drugs, they would oftentimes go back on drugs until they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And interestingly, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they would stay off drugs. Jackie Pollinger had the same thing happen in, over in Hong Kong. She would go to Hong Kong. She was out in the streets. She was a missionary in Hong Kong. And she would go to the gangbangers, drug addicts, opioid addicts, all these people. And they would come. They'd meet the Lord. And she found out that if all the... And again, I'm not trying to say Jesus is not enough. I'm trying to tell you, you've got to go all the way with the Jesus who is enough. And if you're going to go all the way with him, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And don't go anywhere. Don't start the ministry. The mission is not ready until you're full of the Holy Spirit. I am afraid we are doing way too much ministry not in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jackie Pollinger found the same thing. When they would go, they would get people filled with the Holy Spirit, they would get off drugs, and they would stay off drugs. They would get out of their sins, and they would stay out of their sins. They would even sit there and just make them pray in the Spirit for 30 to 60 minutes a day, and they would just sit there with them because they found that when people were being filled with the Spirit, they were so permanently changed. This is the ministry of the Spirit. And this is where Jesus said, it's got the, this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, and he's anointing me to preach this good news. And so, Mike, how do we do the ministry of the Spirit? And this is my application tonight. We proclaim. We speak. Let there be light. Let there be healing. Let bronchitis be done. Let growths disappear. Let kidneys receive their function again. Let legs grow out. Let headaches be done. Someone in here, someone that's watching that has not been able to sleep right for months, in the name of Jesus Christ, I proclaim tonight you sleep in Jesus' name.
by the power of the Spirit that you're going to sleep. Someone is supposed to sleep that has not been sleeping. Sleep in peace in Jesus' name. We proclaim the ministry of the Spirit is done via proclamation. Because we were made in the image of God, you and I are made to do what God did. In Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. In the, in the spirit. Actually, put it up there. Do we have, do we have the scripture there? If, can we even put this up there? Because I want you to see this in Genesis 1. The earth was without form and void, verse 2, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, what does he say? Let there be light. There be light. So here is the question I'm trying to close the sermon with an answer to. If Jesus said, all things are possible... If Jesus said, speak to a mountain and it's going to move. If Jesus said, if two or three of you agree on earth about anything. If Jesus said that, why don't we see that happen more often? More to the point, maybe some of you in here would say, Mike, I've done lots of proclamations and nothing happened. I want you to notice how it happened in the very beginning. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. This is the secret. It's not just that any... Um, yes, I do believe there's power of life and death in the tongue. The principle is way more than that. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus would go get into the presence of the Father. He would see what the Father was doing. And when he saw a man that was already crippled, he knew. And so when he saw that man, it was like when, when there was a demon-possessed man, it was like recently we, had a, we have a prayer room. It's called a freedom room at our church. And you walk in the freedom room, and there, my wife was there, and there was this lady that began to manifest demons. She began to manifest, dropped to the ground, started slithering like a snake. I wasn't in there. I'll be honest. My favorite thing in the world is not hanging out with demons. I don't like doing that. My wife is like a spiritual street fighter. People were telling me what went down when this slithering lady came. They were like... When that, when that demon-possessed person came up to my wife, who was very full of Jesus, they're like, I almost felt compassion for the demon because I had no chance right there. Ruthie has so much authority. Like, my wife walks in such an authority. Of, am I right, Ben? I mean, my wife has authority. And that de- it was like, Ruthie just looked at the person. She said, devil, no, in the name of Jesus. And, like, and they stopped, you know? I'm like, like, I don't know if any of you ever deal with demons. Like, I kind of warm up and... Takes me a minute to wind up a little bit, you know, and I'm like, could you wait here? Let me go pray in tongues for a second, you know. I come back over. Ruthie's just like, no, in Jesus' name, stop, you know. It was like the demon. Do you understand you've got more authority in your pinky than every demon in hell? Do you understand that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world? Do you understand that the work of Jesus is so sufficient that every single thing you need for life and godliness has already passed and has been granted to you? So here's the catch. The issue is, the issue is that we've got to be in such a place in the spirit with God. So again, it's not just that we say, let there be light and there's light. He said, let there be light when the spirit was hovering. I came into service tonight. I took out my phone. I wasn't like texting people. I took out my phone. And I I just said, Lord, I'm just listening. When when, When MJ, I think he's come back here. When MJ said, open your hands. I just began hearing things. I heard the Lord say. And that was perfect timing, by the way. I was like, I did not expect that. I was, like, I was about to say, here it comes. I heard the Lord say, there are some of you that have been walking in darkness. And tonight, I feel like the entire body is supposed to proclaim, let there be light. And lights are coming back on in your soul. I think it's depression. I heard the word despair despondency and I believe tonight that Jesus himself is going to shine fresh light into some souls I felt like I was supposed to ask all of us to do it and and I want you to get your hearts ready even if you're at home and you're in some other place you might even be in India I don't know where you are you might be on another continent you could be in the Middle East might be right here in Dallas but when we say let there be light in the name of Jesus if you've had darkness I want you to hear, I want you to be like Abraham when God said, you're going to have a kid. And Abraham said, amen. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. And there's someone here that's supposed to hear this. The darkness is about to be snuffed out in your life. And when you hear those words in just a minute, I want you to go, amen. 
And it's going to be counted to you as freedom. I was sitting here and I was just, again, MJ just got us to a place. I, I want to make this clear. You, you do have the potential for your words and proclamations to have power. But the secret is, get into the presence of the Holy Spirit, then make your proclamations. Let me just make another little application. This is why I'm a big fan of having time with the Lord every single day. Like I, when I'm discipling people, I ask this question, have you been seeking the Lord? But I go further than that. Please hear me on this. I'm a big disciple of the tabernacle. Like, I, I began studying the tabernacle a while back. You, you would come in, there was these outer courts. You have these outer courts where God's presence wasn't really fully there yet. You, and, but there's these outer courts. Then you'd go into this place, and, and there was a, an altar, a brazen altar, where they would make sacrifices. And then after that, there was this, the priest, would, after they got bloody, they would clean their hands in a, in a mirrored bowl. And then they would go through a curtain, and they'd come into what was called the holy place. Off to one side was a table of showbread. Off to the other side was a, a, a trimmed uh, candle. It was a candle candelabra that they, the priest had to keep the oil trimmed at all times. And then after there, you would, you would come and, and there was this, this other place of, of incense where they would burn incense. And then after that, there was this big curtain. And you would leave the big curtain and you would go into what was called the Holy of Holies. And the only person that could go there was the high priest. And he could only go once a year. And it was like the holiest of all the holy. And inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And in that Ark of the Covenant, there was hidden manna. And there was Aaron's rod, which buds supernaturally, like these almond leaves. And, and then there was like just a copy of the, of the law. Now, working backwards, I believe that means and represents God's law gets written on our heart. And there's an authority that's been given to us that's supernatural. And... And, and there's this hidden manna that, that God's going to... Like, there, there, there are these secret treasures in God. But, but when you went in there, you went in there by the blood. But, but I want you to watch what happens. You would, you would come into the tabernacle. You would come into, through the courts. The Bible says we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. I wake up in the morning and, and I, I, first thing I like to do is give him thanks and praise. But then you come to a place there's a brazen altar. It's appropriate every day to say, God search me and know me and see if there's any wicked way that's within me and lead me in the way that's everlasting. Lord, I repent. If there's, if my motives are wrong, if I'm preaching tonight because I'm trying to make a name for myself instead of making a name of Jesus great and edifying his people, then Lord, correct me. And Lord, if there's anything, if, if I've been lustful, if I've been prideful, if I'm holding, if I'm regarding iniquity in my heart, Lord, cleanse me. And there's a, there's, it's kind of bloody. After that, you would come to this bowl and, and the bowl was mirrored. And, and I believe it's, I believe it kind of represents the, what, what scripture does. This is when I get into the Bible every day and, and scripture reads you. It kind of, the Bible says it's like a mirror. It looks at you. But then you reach this place where you go through this curtain and, and off to one side is this table of showbread. I think this is where we pray things like, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Father, give me a good connection with my children. Lord, I'm, I'm praying for, Lord, give me help and in, in favor in that meeting I've got this week. Lord, I, and that's right, I ask for petitions. And off to the other side is this, this lamp that in, in that room, in the holy place, if the priest didn't light the lamp, it would be pitched bark pitch dark because there was no other outside light. This is where I think you turn off your phone, you go into God's presence, and you say, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. Lord, I, I'm seeking your face. I want to know if you want to say anything to me. I'm kind of listening. I'm Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, give me wisdom that's from above. And I pray things like that. And then I go to that place of intercession. And this is where you, you burn incense. The Bible says that the prayers of the saints are like incense. But I'm telling you that I have discovered there's this other place that you go into the Holy of Holies. And it may be, I, I, I hesitate talking about it because I don't know how often I truly get there. But here's my question to you. Not just when's the last time you prayed, when's the last time you got into the Holy of Holies? Because this is what I have found. When I get in the Holy of Holies and I say, let there be light, there's light. When I get to the Holy of Holies, it's almost as if the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And then I know when to say yes and when to say no. And, and then I'm just kind of listening and when I'm, I'm sitting in a place and, and I felt like I got there in some ways tonight when MJ was leading us. I felt like there was someone I was supposed to say this to that it's like you've been in a pit 
And the Lord is saying, he's digging. You you can't make it up to him. He's going to make it up to you and dig you out. Come out tonight in Jesus' name. I'm not sure who it is. There's someone that's got addictions. There's addictions. And, And even attached to trauma. I'm not sure what that meant. It was addiction attached to trauma. And I want you to hear this in faith. Jesus sets you free. In the name of Jesus, go. Jesus sets you free. In the name of Jesus, get up. I'm not sure who this was. I felt like I was supposed to say that just like in the Bible, Jesus would say to people, take up your mat and walk. I am supposed to tell someone, take up your mat and walk. There's something that, some some comfort you've been having that, wait, take it, walk. It's, It's time to get up. A couple specific things. Someone's ovaries. I'm not sure who it is. Some problem on someone's ovaries. And, and again, we'll, we'll pray for all this because I'm going to ask our, our board and some other prayer people to be up here to pray with people. But I wanted to get you ready. I'm fully convinced that someone's ovaries tonight are going to be healed or that something's about to disappear that's not supposed to be there. That something on someone's ovaries, sister, that he sees you and he loves you and he knows you. And, and you're like, what did I do to deserve this? No, it was it your parents? Was it you? No, this was for the glory of God. Let him take it away in Jesus' name. Someone's thyroid. I just very much believe someone's thyroid is supposed to get relief from the Lord, get get healed by the Lord. I want you to hear this clearly. The curse is broken. You are free. The curse is broken. You are free. Now that's the Bible, but it's true. The curse is broken. You are free. And then there was this. In your stillness, I will save you. We're going to worship, and I'm going to also have a prayer team that's up here, but I felt like we were supposed to have a minute of, of just stillness. In your stillness, I will set you free and save you. Someone is about to be saved from something by doing nothing as a sign to you that there was nothing you could do to begin with. You can lift your, you can sort of open your hands like MJ has us do. You could, you could do that. But what I'm telling you is there are some of you that in, your, in the stillness, God's going to set you free. Man, Zion Church, I love you. God loves you. God loves us. So, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to end on a hype. I'm going to end by inviting you. We're going to take a moment of silence. I want you to take 60 seconds of silence. I'm going to set it up with a prayer. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You always point to Jesus. And so right now, I proclaim the finished work of Jesus. Holy priests were only allowed to enter that holyest place once a year, and they needed blood. And Lord, you've told us that we come boldly to your throne by blood. We claim the blood. I plead the blood over your people. We come by the blood of the lamb. We declare that the blood of Jesus is enough and we come boldly. And Lord, I pray that you will take us corporately into that place. And there's some things we'll do all together in a moment. But first, we're going to take a moment of stillness. And when I say go, Lord, I pray you begin to save people in the stillness. Are you ready? Get set in Jesus name. Go. You got a minute of stillness. Whoever it was that's been living in darkness, we're about to say, let there be light in Jesus' name. If you need to receive that, I I want you to lift your hands if that is for you. I do believe I'm supposed to tell someone that's online, you've been living in shadows. You've been living in shadows. It might even be someone in this room right now. You've been living in shadows. There's been this shadow 
secret side and the Lord's giving you a way out, you've got the way of escape tonight. Come out in Jesus' name. If you've been living outside of following him, he's, he's risen from the dead and he's saying to you now, come follow me. Come follow me. If you've been living in sin, repent. Best news you'll ever hear. Repent, turn, drop it. Let him be king. Let Jesus be Lord. But when I give you the word, I just want to count to three. And when I say three, I, all of you that have faith with me to believe, for those that have been in darkness, to be able to come out tonight, that there's going to be something that happens. Maybe it's their sleep. Maybe it's someone recovering sleep. Maybe it's someone recovering your peace. Maybe it's someone that's recovering your holiness or your hope. When I say three, let's just say, let there be light in Jesus' name. All you got, you said, Mike, it's just a proclamation. Yeah, I think the Holy Spirit's here, though. I really do. I think the Holy Spirit's here. So here it comes. One, two, three. Let there be light in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, do your work. Do your work. Jesus, you are so good. Would you lift your hands and let me just speak a blessing over you right now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. May he give you peace and joy beyond your understanding. May he make you a sign and a wonder to your families and to your neighbors because his kingdom comes in your life as it is in heaven. I pray for your body to be strong, for your soul to be encouraged, for your mind to be sharp, for your home to be protected, for your children to receive the blessing of the kingdom of God. And Lord, we pray for the families of every single member of this church, everyone that's in the sound of my voice right now. Lord, we pray there will not be one child that does not make it to heaven. We pray there will not be one child that does not hear your voice. We pray there will not be one grandchild that does not walk in your ways. Lord, we claim our children and their children and their children. Lord, for a thousand generations, we claim our generations for the kingdom of God. We claim that this generation belongs to the Lord. And they will hear his voice. In Jesus' name, amen. This is so random, but I... I did this by accident in our church. I have my journal with me. In my journal, on, my, on the front page, I have, this is how I, this is what I often do in prayer. And it just has the tabernacle prayer from the brazen altar and the entrance gate to the holy place and the holy folies. I'm going to put this on the altar here. At my church, I discovered there, there was a lot of people, they're like, you know what, I think I might like to try that. If you would like to, you could, before you leave, you could just come take a screenshot of that page. Please don't look at the rest of it. <laughs> That's kind of uh, personal. But I'm going to leave this up here. If you want to take a screenshot of it, I would plead with you, even tomorrow morning. How many of you are coming to church tomorrow? Are you coming to church tomorrow? Tomorrow morning, could you imagine what would happen if we all showed up in the spirit tomorrow morning when we got here? Can you imagine what Jesus, what he might do in this place? So I'm going to leave this here, and we might have a closing song or something. But Pastor, I don't know if you want to say anything else. But I, I just want to exhort you to, I want to give you this vision that if you'll reach the holy place and the holy of holies, you are going to begin to see the more really come to pass in Jesus' name.